inflation because they didn't like the the packaging and how it all went together and everything. But that was my first exposure to them, and uh, you know, still a huge Beatles fan today. And then I think it was literally just within a few days after that uh, I heard Kiss for the first time. So, uh, which was, you know, much more visceral, you know, uh, hearing that. And of course, you know, for a six-year-old seeing those guys in the makeup and the costumes, that seemed like, you know, the coolest thing ever. So, yeah, so that was, um, that was sort of the first time that I started thinking to myself, wow, that would be a really cool thing to do to be a musician and, you know, be able to do this and go out and play great music for people. So the Beatles and Kiss, where is the Stones in this equation? I mean, come on. You know, I didn't get exposed to the Stones until <laughs> until much later. Uh, you know, a, a little while later, I think probably a few years later. But I have to admit uh, that I'm much more of a Beatles fan than a, than a Stones fan. And actually, uh, probably I would even put the Kinks above the Stones. What? There. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The so. Stones can't be killed by conventional weapons. <laughs> well. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, well, it's it's interesting. I was having a conversation with Marge Juber. I don't know if you're familiar with, with him. He was Paul McCartney's lead guitarist. Oh, wow. Uh, during, during, during the Wings era. Sure. And uh, he's a, he's, yeah, so he's a friend of a friend of mine, and, and we were talking about it. And, uh, you know, we both agreed that uh, they're really, the Stones is really like two different bands. There was the the Brian Jones era and then the after Brian Jones. Yeah, and, uh, I'm much true. more, much more, yeah, I'm much more the Brian Jones era fan than I am. You know, most of the stuff that they did after that, I didn't really, didn't really care much for, but it seemed like even though uh, Jones wasn't really involved in the writing, he was always pushing them to sort of think outside of the box and always, you know, he was multi-instrumentalist and, you know, adding in stuff like uh, the marimba part and under my thumb, and you know, things like that, just, you know, to expand their sound. And it seems like after uh, he departed and then died shortly after that, they just sort of, uh, you know, continued to just sort of do things the, the same way pretty much from there on out. So, yeah, I'm much more of a of a Brian Jones era fan than I am of anything they did later after that. I got you. Did, did you find it a challenge to navigate a way to make music a full-time career, I would think that's probably hard for a lot of people. Well, yeah, it is. Um, you know, I was fortunate um, when I was uh, in high school, you know, I, you know, one of, one of the things that sort of made me decide that I kind of wanted to do this full-time was, you know, I was already, you know, playing in a cover band and already, you know, kind of in the scenes, uh, up in Northeast Arkansas and outside of Memphis playing in some bars when I was 15. So that was already wow. kind of a part of, part of my existence. But, uh, but I was also uh, very much involved in, you know, the music education side, you know, I was playing in the high school band and doing well competitive, competitively there. And uh, I was already uh, taking lessons uh, with the sax professor at uh, ASU Jonesboro at the time. And they offered me a scholarship and said, uh, you know, uh, come here, study with us, and, uh, you know, we'll pretty much pay your way. And uh, that seemed like a pretty good deal. And I thought, yeah, I'll go and uh, study music and uh, didn't realize I was going to fall in love with the classical saxophone literature, which a lot of people are not familiar with. But I uh, ended up really getting into that and spending a lot of time doing that. So I've had a very... Um, you know, variety of different music that I've been involved in over the years and been very fortunate to uh, perform a lot of it, teach a lot of it, and, you know, just do a lot of different things that way. And, um, 
it's afforded me the opportunities to, you know, continue to be a musician and still work with some outstanding people. So, you know, I've been very fortunate, much more fortunate than most that I didn't have to, uh, you know, go into, you know, doing some other job outside of music. So I've been very fortunate in that regard. It's that age old, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. I mean, you get up and make music yeah, exactly. and that's, you know, that's how it goes. You've got this band yeah. on the side, Emerald City Council, and I, I'm, I'm picking up on a little nod to Wizard of Oz there. What, what's the inspiration? Am I right? Uh, well, yes, there is. So, well, there, there's a whole story there. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, uh, I have to mention that uh, our, our lead vocalist is a guy by the name of Jake Libgren. And, uh, and Jake's uncle is uh, Kerry Libgren of uh, Kansas fame. So he was the lead guitarist of Kansas. He, of course, wrote Dust in the Wind, Carry on Wayward Sun, Song for America, you know, all of the songs we, oh, yeah. we you know, all the classic songs we think of of Kansas. And, and Carrie, or I'm sorry, uh, Jake has been singing on Carrie's album since he was 15. And so he's been very much involved in, in that. And, but <laughs> also great. growing up, growing up in Topeka, uh, because Jake was one who came up with the name. We were throwing it, we threw names around for forever. Uh, every time we would come up with something cool, we found somebody else had it. And uh, so finally, um, we started, you know, sort of leaning that way. And, and Jake, growing up in Topeka, Kansas, and Kansas very much being associated with the Wizard of Oz, oh, yeah. there's Wizard of Oz stuff everywhere, you know. So that's just sort of been a, a like a, a part of his existence since birth, you know. That's just something he's grown up with. And so uh, we thought it was a good fit. And then on top of that, we uh, also, our drummer uh, is Noah Hungate and Noah's dad is David Hungate, who was the bass player of Toto. And so uh, we sort of thought, well, you know, that would be perfect because we have connections to Kansas and Toto, which are both Wizard of Oz, you know, references. True. So yeah. we thought, we thought, yeah. So we thought it was a really great name uh, for any cool band, but at the same time, uh, if you know the inside story, it's kind of a little bit of a nod to, to those bands that we sort of came from, uh, in a subtle way that we're not, we're not trying to cash in on that, but at the same time, still try to show that we're grateful that we're associated oh, yeah. with, with those groups and that we sort of came came about, as a result of the work that they did. Sure, you know? very respectful way to do it. You've got some multi-Grammy and Emmy winners associated with recording this new album. I got a right. couple of minutes. Yeah. Can you tell me about who those people are, what they did? Oh, well, sure. Well, actually, uh, so the um, the multi-Grammy winner is a guy by the name of Jamie Tate. Uh, Jamie is a uh, recording engineer and producer out of Nashville. He has worked with so many A-listers that, you know, from Taylor Swift to... Brooks and Dunn to, you know, Alison Krauss. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. But uh, he also is a huge fan of progressive rock. And uh, Noah, our drummer, knew him and approached him and said, hey, we're doing this uh, prog album. Would you be interested in doing it? And he was like, oh, man, I'd love to do it. And so uh, he heard the material. He loved it. He wanted to be a part of it. And uh, he was we actually sort of credited him as not only being part of the team, but also being our first fan, really. And, uh, you know, which, you know, when, when you're talking about a guy that's produced something like uh, 16 or 17 number one hits himself that, you know, that's 
pretty big to be able to yeah. say he was our, you need our, that guy. our first fan. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. And yeah, and we'll also just mention a couple of the other folks that are that are involved. Of course, the rest of the band. Uh, Jeremy Nichols, an old friend of mine from around the Jonesville area, bass player Seth Hankerson, who is a former student of mine at ASUBB. He just graduated about three and a half years ago, and he's now teaching for us part time, uh, teaching guitar. Uh, is doing a lot of guitar work. Uh, Brandon Goff, who is another uh, friend of mine from the uh, ASU Jones World days, he's now a associate professor of music industry at Francis Marion University, and he did some work on a couple of songs. And uh, Paul Vilatovich, who now plays with Carl Palmer, the only remaining member of Emerson Lake and Palmer, uh, he helped us out and uh, did some stuff, and uh, he's fantastic. London Royal Academy of Music graduate, uh, really knows his stuff. And then, of course, uh, we have a bit of a Star Trek connection. Uh, probably my big claim to fame outside of being a professor of music is uh, that I play a lot of gigs where I perform with Star Trek actors who have put together musical acts and bands and things like that. And so uh, we have uh, Jeffrey Combs and Steve Rankin are both performing on the album. Uh, doing some different things. And then through them, uh, Mike Thompson, who also uh, plays with another actor named uh, Gary Gray or Gary Graham, who um, I've also performed with. And unfortunately, Gary just passed away uh, three days ago, um, which is, which was, yeah, which was just sort of a shock. Uh, But Mike uh, played with Gary for years and through Gary, I met Mike and we invited Mike to do a guest solo on the album album as well. So uh, that's sort of the nutshell of, uh, of all the different people that have, uh, that have uh, contributed. There's several other of my friends and uh, that have contributed, but um, uh, that sort of hits the high points of, of where we are. Uh, so, yeah, so we've done the album and uh, it's, it's been out for a week now. It's been tremendous. We've been uh, uh, selling albums, um, you know, vinyl and CD to, uh, we're shipping them to Canada, the UK, Germany, Slovakia, Australia. It's it's uh, we've got a wholesaler in, in France that's carrying them, so uh, it's been going really, really, really well, and we're very excited that uh, the uh, that the response has just been so overwhelmingly positive, uh, not just at home but worldwide. That we're uh, excited to see you know how this goes and how things pick up. So you mentioned Star Trek, I love star trek what what exactly are you a, a next generation a, a, i'm an original series kind of fan and wrath of Khan fan what what is the idea oh, with yeah. that what do you do with star trek <laughs> well you know i've been a i've been a fan of star trek since about as long as i've been a fan of rock music probably around the same time i was exposed to uh the original series and of course you know watched uh you know the uh Next Generation oh, when sure. it was on, uh, when it was in college and everything. And so uh, I've just been a huge fan for years and uh, collect autographs um, as, uh, as a hobby. And uh, so along the way, I met um, so I met Steve Rankin, who I mentioned, along with a couple of other of our friends, uh, Vaughn Armstrong and um, Casey Biggs. They're both uh, have been on Deep Space Nine and Enterprise, oh, cool. some of the newer ones. Yeah. Yeah, so they yeah they have a group together called the Enterprise Blues Band that they put together specifically to entertain fans at like conventions and stuff. <laughs> That's great. And uh, when uh, yeah, and so when I met them, we got to talking about it. They were actually signing a CD for me, and uh, we got to talking about music and everything. And they found out that I was a saxophonist, and they said, "Oh, well, are you any good?" And I said, "Well, 
I mean, I have a doctorate in saxophone, so, you know, I think I'm doing okay. And they said, right. uh, well, who, they said, well, who have you played with? And I had literally just done like a fill-in gig with the Temptations when they came into town. And so I told them that and they were like, oh, you got to come and play with us. And uh, that was 16 years ago. It was actually the exact same weekend I got offered the job at ASU BB. And uh, now I'm still friends with those guys, still perform with them uh, when the schedule allows. And, uh, you know, gone over the place, all over the place with them playing in uh, San Francisco, Vegas, you know, all over the place. And then through them, we met uh, Jeffrey Combs, who I mentioned, and uh, Jeff, along with uh, Steve and or not Steve, but with uh, Casey and Vaughn. They also play in another group called uh, the Star Trek Rat Pack, which is sort of based on the old original Vegas Rat Pack where, you know, we're wearing tuxes, everybody's telling jokes, has a drink in her hand, you know, laughing and having a good time <laughs> singing all these songs. And it's a blast. It's a blast. The fans love it. And, uh, you know, we just have a good time doing that. And so I've been really uh, honored that uh, being a big Star Trek fan that I've got to sort of merge my love of music with um, with also getting to go and entertain thousands of Star Trek fans and uh, and hang out with some of my favorite actors. I've actually got to jam with William Shatner. I got to play a few, uh, couple of solos to to uh, bring uh, Patrick Stewart on the stage, uh, and you know, performed with several people and just be on stage with them. And so it's been a lot of fun just getting to do those sort of things. And uh, you know, as a fan, you know, never thought you would ever get to do those sort yeah. of things. But that's the thing about being a musician is that you just never know where it's going to take you. So are you going to wear wear the gold shirt in concert or how's that work? Do the other guys have red <laughs> shirts on or they won't make it or <laughs> Well, that's a that's a good question. You know, I have I have to admit I've never worn a costume. Wow. I've I've never I've never done never done the cosplay thing. It's not a costume, uh, it's a uniform. Yeah. <laughs> correct. Correct. That's right. Uh, no, no. Well, I think that's the thing with uh you know, and I know that that's sort of the the stereotype of that. And I certainly have a lot of friends that are into the cosplay and really enjoy doing that, but I think that there are uh there are a lot of aspects uh to the fandom, you know, other than that there are a lot of people that are you know, like me that are into the autograph collecting or, or want to do the photo ops and things like that. There are a lot of people that are more into uh, the model building and they're more into the technical side of it. You sure. know, they want to, they're more interested in meeting the behind the scenes people than they are the actors. So, you know, it's, uh, I think there's room for everybody, you know, at those sort of things, but it's just always a lot of fun to get, you know, a few thousand fans together and uh, just have a good time you know, making some music, making everybody laugh. And, uh, you know, and, and as I often say, it's kind of a, uh, uh, I can always count on my students to sort of bring me back to earth. You know, I'll, I'll go and perform with those guys and, you know, uh, San Francisco or, or wherever. And, you know, people want me to take pictures with them and they want autographs and everything, you know, and then I come home and the students are all like, Oh, are you, you back? Uh, we thought we weren't going to have class again, you know, it's yeah, a, right. it yeah. sort of helps. It sort of brings you back to earth, you know, a little bit of like, uh, you know, uh, people back home, I guess, never appreciate you as much as, uh, you know, people from, you know, four or five states away. But, yeah, they, they tend to sort of keep me from uh, letting it go to my head, I guess. Oh, yeah, you can't do that. We're funny. We're kind of a funny opposite. I'm a little more of a Star Wars than a Star Trek, and I'm a little more of a Stones than a Beatles. But there's room, right, for, there's right. room for all of that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I'm a big I'm a big Star Wars fan as well. Um, I sort of, uh, you know, as a as a fan and 
as a collector of, you know, like I said, I collect autographs and stuff, but, you know, some other things as well. And, you know, there reaches a point where you, where you sort of go, I, you know, I don't have room for everything. That's so, you know, true. So oh, sort of, yeah. but, uh, but what I always tell people when they, when they say that about uh, being more of a Star Wars fan is I tell them, well, when some of the Star Wars actors start calling me for gigs, I'll, I'll maybe, you know, yeah. rethink that. But right now I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with the people I know and that have been good to me. So I'm going to, going to definitely say Star Wars or Star Trek is, yeah. is the favorite of the two for you me. You never, yeah. ever know. So for the casual yeah. listener, can you kind of mm-hmm. explain what progressive rock is? Because, if I had to name, well, what is a hot progressive band? I don't, I don't really know. And and what did okay, it, what, well, did it, what yeah. did it spin off of? What what prompted it? everything comes from somewhere? Well, uh, you know, it all kind of started really back in the '60s, and uh, a lot of people would probably look at some of the early stuff. Uh, you know, around the same time that uh, you know the Beatles were doing Sgt. Pepper's and. Uh, you also had, uh, you know, the Stones doing some of their more experimental stuff. And I think people just started getting the idea that, you know, this genre of music was open to way more things. Sure. And then that led into that led into the 70s. Uh, you know, whether people really know what progressive rock is or not, they know a lot of progressive rock bands. Kansas, obviously, uh, very progressive rock band. Rush, yes, Emerson, Lake and Palmer. Uh, early Genesis when Peter Gabriel was still with them and even a little bit into the Phil Collins era uh, before they went, you know, more mainstream pop later in the eighties. And then of course uh, there's some more modern bands, Neil Morris and all of the groups he's been involved in. Neil has actually uh, really helped us out. He kind of gave us a huge endorsement, but uh, he's a legend in the progressive rock world. Uh, Porcupine Tree, which is a huge band now that's out there. Um, you know, right now with the genre, it's much more popular in Europe than it is in the United States, which is probably why we're shipping so many albums over, over there. Um, you know, it's, it's really interesting. I mentioned Porcupine Tree. They just uh, released a, a Blu-ray, uh, of them in concert from the end of, uh, 2023. They're in Amsterdam playing in front of 65,000 people. And then, um, in the meantime, in America, people are going, who are they? We've never heard of them. Right, you know? right. It's so like it's, Hasselhoff so it's kind of is huge there. You know, I mean, who goes to a Hasselhoff <laughs> well, concert the, here? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know? Right. Well, I wouldn't put, <laughs> certainly wouldn't put them in the same category. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, but, yeah, you, it's it's a whole different vibe over there. And I think that also just, the, you know, if you're familiar with, like, the whole Eurovision thing, that, you know, in, in uh, Europe, the, the big competition that they have there. Um, more people watch Eurovision, the the final round of Eurovision, than watch the Super Bowl every year. But we don't see it in the United States. And the interesting thing is, it all revolves around a new song. Who has the best new song uh, in America? When we have those kind of things, it's about let's hear somebody, you know, sing this old Prince song or this old sure. Queen song. And it's not about, you know, everybody want, is more focused on the singer than they are on the song that they're doing. Uh, but but with progressive rock, you know, I mean, I think that what we're doing is uh, a lot of people will find it, um, you know, that we have, you know, just some good rock and roll that has some, you know, great uh, melodic hooks uh, that are going to get stuck in their head and they're going to want to come back and listen again. But at the same time, for people who are like me, who are musicians who want something a little bit more complex maybe a little uh, more deep meaning lyrically. I think that they're going to find that within, within our music. 
that it's um, probably true that most people who listen to progressive rock are probably musicians themselves, but it's certainly not limited to that by any stretch of the imagination. Sure. And I think uh, just anybody that wants to hear, uh, you know, really good music that's put together well, I think uh, is going to enjoy the album for sure. It's, Have uh, you had a chance to listen to any I've, of it yourself? I listened to, uh, one of the videos is on YouTube and I've, I've checked that okay, out. Okay, great. So it's Emerald yeah. City Council. The album is called Motion Carries. Will there be a tour and where would somebody go buy the album? Okay, well, there are several places you can buy the album. Uh, there are several places online. You can buy it uh, from our website, which is EmeraldCityCouncil.com. You can also buy it uh, from our record label, uh, Melodic Revolution Records. Uh, they have it actually just on a Bandcamp page that you can go to. There are several retailers, uh, Laser's Edge in America, Cos Cosmos Music in France. I'm sure, you know, I'm not sure in Central Arkansas we're going to have a lot of people in France listening, but, you know, it's there. Uh, also, uh, if you're interested in just walking into a store and buying it, uh, the Arkansas uh, Record and CD Exchange in North Little Rock uh, is carrying it as well. So you can go in and pick one one of those up from Bill. I'm sure he would oh, uh, Bill's you up great. if you wanted to go do that. Oh, oh yeah. I've yeah. Known Bill's been a big, a big huge supporter. Oh, Bill is fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Well, I sure appreciate you, yeah. uh, Dr. Brent Bristow. The album is Motion Carries, and the band is Emerald City Council. You guys have a great weekend. We'll see you next week on Guatney Unplugged.